action. What's up, everybody? This is Tom Tom of the Over the Shoulder Podcast, holding it down today. I got two special brothers in the building. One being my man, Scala, hailing yo, yo. from Detroit. What up, though? What up, though? A local to the DMV. Yes, sir. And, and the homie, Mr. Rogat. Hey, hey. Salute. What's up, fellas? How y'all been doing? What's the deal, brother? It's great out here, bro. Man, alive. Grateful. Yeah, man. We just we just had a, a, our own little tour of the Washington Informer Bridge with the, with the big homie Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Man's, man's up to some great things right now. Man, historic, man, historic. It's it's, a, it's just beautiful to see black men doing amazing things in the community, man. Definitely, definitely. Paving that way. It's yeah. a legendary building. For sure. So, you know, as, on this podcast, I'm known as the facilitator, right? So today, I'm facilitating multiple situations, introducing new folks to each other, and then, you know, putting people on. So today, I'm putting on my brother, Scholar. Like I say, he's from Detroit. Very talented brother. Thank um, you, sir. Can come at you many ways artistically. But uh, let, let's just start it off. Let's, uh, how, would you, how did you get into music? Um, I, was, I was talking to the good brother about this earlier, man. Music has always been a part of my DNA, my makeup, right? Like my, my, um, my, both my parents are, are West African and Cameroonian. Yes, sir. Um, and, you know, my entire family, at least on my mom's side, grew up in the church. So they were always singing, always doing hymnals and all of that, right? So that's deeply rooted from a, from a soulful place. And, um, but, you know, when my mom moved to the States, her favorite rappers were MC Hammer and Tupac. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a crazy range. <laughs> you know, but that's who I heard in the household. And, like, you know, we, all the house parties, MC Hammer was always going to come on. Right. So, like, I was always in the middle of them dancing. And, and if you know anything about um, West African parties, man, it's, it's, a, it's a movie, man. A Everybody's in there. Yeah, you dance until you sweat. The aunties come put $5 on your forehead and all that. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, um, it, was, that was, it was a whole thing. So, that was my introduction, introduction to music um, between, you know, at least my introduction to hip-hop. And, and, and my mom still loved, like, jazz. And she loved, like, Kenny G and shit. Like, right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Like, random stuff like that. So, um, that was my introduction to music. And then, uh, along the lines... Um, elementary school, I ended up finding out this story. <laughs> really early um, that I could sing. I started out with singing. Um, kindergarten, there was, it was either kindergarten or first grade, but, uh, well, kindergarten. So it, the teacher used to have this uh, metal tub that she filled with pillows. And so, like, if you had been, um, she kind of rotated who she picked, but if you hadn't acted out, um, she'll let you go sit in the tub and you could listen to audio books or listen to music. Mm-hmm. So I had the Lion King book and I ended up listening to the part where they sing Akuna Matata and I was mm-hmm. singing along with my headphones on, not knowing what was going on in the world. Right. And when my mom came to pick me up, yeah, man, my, my teacher ended up telling my, my mom that I should be on Apollo that she thought I was a really good singer. Apollo? Yeah, my mom is African. She music. What, what is Apollo? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? What is Apollo? So she, you know, she didn't think anything of it, but from that day on, I was like, okay, yeah, I love music. And then um it kind of it didn't come back up again until fifth grade where I had to do um report on Native Americans, the Potawatomi Indians. Um well Potawatomi Native Americans, they're not Indians. Um but um I ended up writing a, a rap about the Potawatomi's, uh, maybe like 15 minutes before class started. <laughs> Had to do it in front of all three um, fifth grade classes for that history class and ended up killing it. And from then on, I'm like, yeah, I'm a rapper. You know what I so mean? You've been the freestyle dope. king for a minute, huh? Man, you feel me? <laughs> so that was, my, that was it. That was after that. And I ended up going into middle school. It just so happened that my big cousin, Truth, um, had been rapping. And like, you know, he didn't really have much you know, in hindsight, but at the time it looked like everything to me because, you know, he figured out how to like download record software on his computer and he was using a computer mic. And this was during the day when they used to have like Yahoo chat rooms to battle, you know oh, what wow, I'm saying? Man, like, digging in the crates with yeah, that. Yeah. Like I really was a rapper rapper, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I from, from the streets. Rapper. Yeah. Like I was in the streets, like battling people at every school, every, anything that was going on. Like I would, there would be, if there was a crowd, it was probably me in the middle, like freestyle battling. Oh, like, shit. People, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I picked up a lot of how to record for my cousin, and then I had an uncle. That's truth that I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So truth used to rap. 
That's he's a crazy. lawyer now, but people don't know truth. He used to rap. He used to engineer. Like that's really who I started with when it comes to music. And that's it's nice very interesting. Too. Super nice with it, man. But um, between that and then an uncle that I had that made like a, a Makosa type jazz music, okay, Cameroonian okay. Makosa. He was the first real studio I ever recorded in. Got you, got you. And um, yeah, it's all, all all back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I have a. I have a unique question here. So what was your first interaction in the music business? Um, as far as what? Like, you know, the first time, whether it's, you know, when you first got managed or first show, like. <laughs> um, so that was it, man. When I, when I figured I wanted to be a rapper, right, um, I bought this book called How to Start a Record Label in okay. the eighth grade. And, you know, I've. I've always had this supreme confidence in my talent that's God-given because I feel like it's a gift and not a talent, right? right? right so, right. like, nothing shakes that. And I think the beautiful thing about that mindset is that I've never looked at any of my peers as competition, right? Like, unless unless we battling, you know right, what I mean? Right. But unless other than you're that, supposed to. Yeah, but other than that, like, I feel like, yo, if you talented and I'm talented, we need to be together and make dope shit. That's just always been my mindset. These are keys. Man, so... This this book, How to Start a Record Label, was like, all right, listen, I can rap. My best friend can rap. Our homies can rap. All the niggas from where we grew up can rap. Bet, we about to rap. We about to make a label. And that was my mindset going into it. And so um, that summer, going from eighth grade to high school, I just really I learned to record through Truth. And we that whole summer, we was just recording music. Freshman year of high school, got all the homies in my cousin's basement. We recorded like six mixtapes. Okay. Pressed them up ourselves. Hand drew the covers out. Went to the library to press copies of the covers up. Exactly. Cut them out. Slid them in CDs, and we sold a thousand units by hand. Just hitting the city Hustled off the master P. Yeah, Let's you get me? Like, <laughs> but literally, those was the inspirations was P and Hove and you know guys like that. So that was the beginning of our entrepreneurialism and right, just right. you know us stepping into the music game. Most definitely, most definitely. So one can say that. Uh, you're part Detroit, part DMV. So, you, I mean, you, you, I've, from what I know, you've been around the DMV for almost over a decade at this point. Yeah. So, so Detroit versus DMV, like, how would you say both have influenced you? Not literally versus each other, but how have both influenced you? Um, Detroit made me a man. Mm -hmm. That's what raised me, right? But the DMV is so much culture. Like, it was a... It, it it almost was an extension of home because to go from one black city to another black city right, was just a right. beautiful thing, right? Definitely. Like, and I'm I'm in VA now, but I started in DC, right? right. And so like, I, it was beautiful to come here and be embraced by other black people that was creative right. and that like had an edge to them and understood their roots and was prideful about it because that's what it is in Detroit. Detroit is super prideful. We right. love where we're from, right. even if we don't have shit. You know right, what I'm right, right. Like we love that we don't have <laughs> shit, right? But there's there's there's, there's some, beauty in that. There's beauty in it. And there's so much culture down here. So I, I I came at a beautiful moment where like I came in to rap um during that whole like blog era, right? When it was just starting and like the new music cartel, two dope boys, hip hop update, right. right? So SK. Yep. So I ended up I was um Fake featured on uh exactly, but I was <laughs> featured on um HipHopUpdate.com, this dude out of Chicago. Um, I think his name was JD. And at the same time, I was featured on there. It was a dude from VA named Physics who okay. was featured on there. And so when I built a homie. <laughs> exactly, right? So I, I ended up moving um when I when we when I finally moved back from college, um, I ended up getting a job at Best Buy. And like this is the first job I ever had, right? Like I'm I've always been just hustling and like making music. I never thought I needed a job, but I moved down. I needed a job. I'm in a new place. I'm working at Best Buy. And first day on the job, Ink walks physics. And I only it, know physics. This is in VA or a This is in VA. Yeah, okay. Woodbridge. So I only know physics off of us being on this blog together. Right. You know what I'm saying? And he recognizes me. I recognize him. And we just end up linking. And he was the first person that took me over to U Street and um, introduced me to like Pure Lounge and XO and AB and Odyssey and uh, at the time Fat Trail was just starting out. Right. Uh, you know, Pinky Killer Corn. Um, then my brothers G Two. Uh, G Two. Lyricist. <laughs> so many dudes, man. Um, and that was like the beginning of everything. And like they all embraced me and took me through my rounds. You know what I mean? And right. I, I did like like I said, uh, Pure and. Um, Indulge, ever, everlasting, everlasting, okay. yep, everlasting, and um, you know, pretty much all the spots over there. Right, right, right. So, 
from what I from what I know of your from what I know of your career or your history, you you've kind of spent a, a little bit of time on a hiatus. Well, what what's been going on? Life happening or what, what was going on there? Growth. I, I've never really been on a hiatus because I've always I never stopped making right, recording music. And right. Yeah, I'm always creating. Um, I think I took a hiatus from being. Uh, from the rat race of like being a rapper, like right. you know, focused on trying to get to whatever goal someone else was setting for me. Right. For me, I just you know had to to pull back from it because I had a lot of life going on, both good and bad, and I feel like that's what helped mature what I'm currently saying now. Right. You know, when you hear things like um, the new project Third Eye Wide, like that's just a culmination of me like working on myself and getting to be with myself. Most I think definitely. that was probably one of the most beautiful things that happened even in this pandemic more recently was getting to be with myself. Right. You know. It's so important, man. Like <clears throat> through that process, like how how far did you think your 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 craft progress within that space? Man. Because people will say it's a hiatus, but as artists, like even when we're just walking around, something's brewing. It's in the always mind. brewing. So like how important is that? drastically because so what he's talking about right so i i had um there was a point in time where so i put out an album called seconds away 2010 mm-hmm. and that's my first album that was a project that i put out after putting out six other projects and at that point in time i named it seconds away because with everything myself and my team was doing i felt like we were seconds away from that breakthrough from really like you know popping and being the, the next big thing. And this is at the time where, like, Cole is starting out, like, Wale is starting out, Cuddy, Sean, like, everybody that's kind of of that class, like, that was the same class and space we was in, right? Mm. And so then um, we put out the album. We was one of the first rap albums to uh, do crowdfunding. We did Kickstarter. We raised $10,000 with it to our fans. You know that's, what I'm saying? That's cold. And then all of these beautiful things, right? And then, like, I had a thing with my management where I didn't like how we released it because I wanted us to put it out for free. I said, we made the fans pay for it, right? It makes sense. It only makes sense. And so to add to the story, I, it was my first time recording a project I didn't do on my laptop at home by myself. I, I went to Atlanta to do this with um, the homies SMK, 808 Blake, um, and I can get into who they are a little bit later, but... Um, I did the whole project with them at this house in Buckhead. We recorded 60 songs in 30 days, mm-hmm. right? Like, so this was, um, everything about this project was in alignment. And I just felt like, man, we got these people to fund this project. We should give it to them for free. And then once we've given it to them, um, we could put out the deluxe project and that'll be the project that we sell. Right, right, right. But we didn't end up doing that. I feel like it stinted the growth or the, the, the reach of the project. And it just, it was a, it was it, all this build up to to get to a high, and it not work out the way that we wanted it to. Mm, right, right, right. And that was the first time where I felt like I did. I I went against what I know is truthful to me. And I, if I'm gonna lose, I want to lose because I didn't do something, not because I would rely a miscalculation on, yeah, of I relied on someone else. Right, right. But I also learned a lot about trusting in other people because you know it's not to um. It's in no may, no way, shape, or form a reflection on my management at the time because they were amazing. We 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 thugged it out. We really learned and, and grew together. But it was just a point where I'm like, man, I got a really clear vision and I want to execute this vision the right way. Right. And so that was kind of the start of like dialing back from like, man, we moving too fast. I want to slow down and figure out what I'm doing and we do this right. And then um, I ended up moving to Cali. With my manager at the time, and he was also doing like sports management. So my homie uh, Devin Ebanks was playing for the Lakers at the time. So we was living together, and it was like a lot of just partying for real. For real. It wasn't even work. You know, what I mean, he wanted to rap, so I'm I'm out there engineering him. I'm not even rapping myself. Um, but in that situation, I got to learn a lot because uh, we uh, my management at the time had just gotten Travis Scott, and this is like Travis just fresh getting into his deal. Like we was with him while he was trying to figure out his deals, for real, for real. Mm. And so um, I ended up getting to work. That's got some history with him, don't he? Uh, I ended up getting to work on... uh, Been out here, man. um, Al Ferro, you know what I'm saying? And that was when I kind of got to see, like, okay, I've been doing all this shit on my laptop. This dude is on his first project, and he got 
all of Kanye's engineers and all of the niggas who've been doing the top hits on the radio, like working on this project. And these, this is what goes into this project, and this is what can be done, and this is the room, this is the roof for uh, growth. This is the right. ceiling, you know. We could push that ceiling for growth, and so that kind of shaped what I was doing musically. And I, I remember just when I left Cali, I ended up going on a tour with a kid named Huey Mack, um, and it finished. Our last date was here in DC, and I stayed home. And I just remember getting back to work on the project I was working on at the time, and my music was just so much, um, so much larger. I, I experienced so much more. My understanding of music and sonics was so much bigger, and there was growth in that. And then I ended up losing my hard drive. I lost oh, all man. the music. You know, no, the music I had worked on <laughs> for not three well. years. <laughs> no, to go. bro, I lost like what the four hundred, five hundred songs. Damn. And this is not the first time that, that, well, that's not the last time that ends up happening. But I end up going to Detroit. I'm like, man, I want to regroup. And at this time, that was kind of causing a rift between myself and my management because they felt like I had wasted my time in Cali, like, and didn't get a project done. And, you know what I mean? And and what can I say? I don't have nothing to give you because I just lost 400 songs. So I end up, you know, they're like, well, whenever you're ready, get your project done and come back to us. You know what I'm saying? So I end up going back to Detroit and working on a project, working on a project. Same situation happens. Lose a hard drive. Huh? Hold up, man. Bro, hold up. Hold up. Nah, 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 nah. We ain't breezing past this. How you losing? So this time I didn't I so I, I hadn't learned from my lesson the first time, <laughs> which was back up and then back up again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So now if I pull out my book bag, I got like six hard drives. All my <laughs> shit is double backed up and it's on the cloud, right? But at the time it wasn't a cloud. So it was just, you know, um I had everything on this hard drive and we took this meeting. At this random studio, we was like, bro, so we were trying to buy a radio station. And it's not another story I want to get into, but it's just gotcha. a random ass, just random Maneuver, random yeah. ass yeah, maneuver. Yeah. So shit. we were trying to, me and Iraq and a couple other guys were trying to buy a radio station um, in Detroit. And I ended up, we ended up having a meeting at a table not much different than this. I had the hard drive sitting like on the ground where my book bag is sitting right now. And somehow I, we, 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 I, we end up leaving. I forget, but immediately come back and the hard drive is just gone. Nowhere to be found. Nobody at the station knew where it was. So somebody got that file. So have you heard? I haven't heard none of the music right. come out. So that's okay. that's the reason why I don't feel like somebody took it, but somebody may have took it, but I'm, I don't want to put that on nobody. You know what I mean? Right. Like That's not the kind of energy I want to put on anybody, but I just don't understand or how you want to hold the, either. Yeah, I just don't understand how within the 10, 15 minute like time period, a hard drive could disappear completely, but like into thin air, and never popped up. So you know that was. Um, I don't think it hit me in that moment, right? Like because it was the second time to happen, mm-hmm. it was just like you know what? I just got to get back to it. Yeah, and so I ended up, you know, uh, getting back to working on music, and it just so happened to be like a blessing for me because I did a song called "Play It Cool." Well, I did a couple songs uh, leading up to "Play It Cool," and I did "Play It Cool," and it ended up. Um, Breaking like it was the same time uh, Dage Loaf had put out Try Me and uh, OG Mako put out Bitch You Guessed It and the record ended up hitting Billboard Digital and was on Billboard Digital charts for like two weeks two three weeks at number seven you know what I'm saying and this was like really when I was at the lowest in my life um, like financially and just trying to figure it out right like I moved back to Detroit me and my homie is living, thugging it out in like a one-bedroom apartment downtown trying to make it work. You know the vibe. And, you know, <laughs> on the couch, for real, for real. And I ended up working on this song, and it's the song that kind of like shifted everything for me again. Wow. Which um, song is this? Play It Cool. Oh, yeah. Play It Cool. Play it cool play yeah, it cool. man. That's one of my favorites, man. But the crazy part about it, bro, was at that time, I wasn't working with my old management and everything was organic. I kind of gave up on the whole idea of industry. I'm just like, I just want to put out music and I want to touch my fans. Right. And it, it touched so many people, but there was no setup. I didn't shoot a video. You couldn't get it anywhere except for like my SoundCloud and my Bandcamp. It was just there. And so like, <laughs> Existing. The, yeah, the record did today has like 1.5 million total plays, but it's like, I didn't do anything to support it going into that. Right. You know what I mean? So I guess fast forward to now, I'm in this space where I have a large understanding of the industry. I the music is um, polished, polished because I'm I've grown as a person, as a human being, and as an artist. And then now it's a dope opportunity because I get to be brand new all over again. But I don't have to make the same mistakes I made ten years ago. 
you know. Right, so, right, right. So we, we, yeah. my fault. Uh-uh. So we slightly hinted at it. So, but the name of the most the most recent project is Third Eye Wide. Yes, sir. So I wanted to like kind of dive into like why did you name it that, and, and you know I kind of I feel like it it goes into the conversation we're having a little bit earlier in the convo where we're saying. Uh, about sitting with yourself, yeah, and that and that sort of awareness that comes from it. So, um, give us a picture of that. Three is a powerful number, right, mm-hmm. in numerology. And um, for the longest, I kept saying, "Man, I want to drop a project on three one three day from Detroit, um, the three, the Trinity." Um, so, I hit up uh, a dude. That, well, one of my best friends, my brother, my business partner, Irock says Kyle Adams. Um, uh, you know, super producer, platinum producer, my brother, we day one grind, day one from the trenches with him. Um, I was on his head like, yo, we got to put an EP out. We got to get an EP done, get it done, get it done. And he was like lingering. I mean, he's had a lot of different things going on, working on Dave's project and just a bunch of different stuff going on. So I ended up, uh, I, I don't know, I think maybe two weeks prior to the, the, the day of 313 day, I'm like, you know what? I got to get it done. Regardless of what happens, we're going to get a project out. So he had sent me um, a video of a beat that he made on his phone, right? And so he never actually sent me the actual beat. It was just a screen recording of the beat, of the of the process of him making the beat. So I sent it to myself, ripped the audio off of it, and recorded a song. Which and song is this? Genesis. The first song. What? <laughs> so that's what set the, the, the tone for Third Eye Wide. And if and if you listen to the song, the the um the version of the beat on the song is still the rip. It's not you never sent me the beat. I don't have the beat. <laughs> there's I mean, no track house, there's nothing. That that's my favorite song off the album. Everybody has theirs, like no time and purpose and stuff, but that's my favorite. Thank you, bro. Just like for me, like when I'm listening to the song, it's like you close your eyes and it's like taking you somewhere. Man, it's like it's like a trance almost at the beginning. It's my favorite song because I shouted out my mama on there. You know what I mean? There it is. So she gets she gets the drop on there. You know what I mean? But it, it means it set, a lot to us African kids. Absolutely, and and it so so it sets the tone um, because the project was. I, I first of all, I wrote recorded the project four days before we dropped it. Like I didn't finish recording and mixing the project until the night we were supposed to put it out. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't nothing was was premeditated about it outside of the fact that I wanted to put a project, but I think it came together so uh, like effortless. I don't want to say effortlessly, but like in, in serendipity because of the fact that I've been going through a whole lot of life and I've been sitting on a lot and I've been working on music prior to that, right? For for um, built for more too. So. Um, it all led into that project. And so when you listen to it from top to bottom, uh, Genesis is a is a darker tone. Hmm. And on the project, like, you know, on, yeah, I can see on that. um I can see that. on a and it, it takes you from that to purpose to no time, and no time is bright. So purpose is that transition. It sounds like ambition, it sounds like the grind, it sounds like I gotta get to it, and no time mm-hmm. is like, all right, I'm not here, but we good. I feel good, I feel triumphant, I feel ready. And so that's literally, you know, I talk about it on the song, like doing shadow and light work. Like, you've got to be able to deal with the dark side and the side of yourself you don't like and you don't want to deal with. You know what I'm saying? That's one of my favorite We lyrics. run away from that way too often, but we deal with that on a day-to-day basis. Every day, man. And so Third Eye Wide is, is a real-time, uh, it's me documenting that in real time. Mm. I can't wait to listen to this, man. I just pulled it up on title. Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, I'm about to be out here. That. Go down the rabbit hole. I see you got a lot in the catalog. Man, let me know, bro. Please, please. like it's. I, I got to get with you for the unrelease. For you know? sure. For, nah, I, I got know you. you got it in I the, got you. Yeah, I got yeah. you. I definitely want to uh, play you some of BFM too, man. See what you think of that. Man. Sure. That's the. So from what I know of you, um, you get paid for your talents that aren't even music. So tell me, tell, tell, the, tell <laughs> the people about that a little bit. The entrepreneur. Yeah, he has, he has a, almost a second, uh, what is it called? Uh, Live sec- Two Lives? Not two lies. Yeah, second, Career. Second ego. I mean, alter ego. Alter ego. Uh, yeah, man. Designed by OG. I've, I've always been an art person. You know what I mean? It's more than just music. Like I just love art. I love creation in general. And then I was a broke kid from the hood, so like I couldn't afford fucking cover art. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like I learned how to do cover art on my own, and it wasn't great. It was trash in the beginning, but I stuck with it, and it became something that other people um told me was good. 
right? And so the stuff I was doing for myself, other people would be like, oh, yeah, who did that? And I'd be like, yeah, I did it. And they're like, oh, can you do something for me? And right. um, so on the low, I would be doing covers for people. And then it's turned into net, to me doing flyers and logos and all these other things. And so for a long time, I was designing for people and people had no clue that it was me. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it because um, it was fruitful. It paid, um, but I loved to create, you know, and I was doing it solely off of that. And um, I don't know, one day I just woke up and was like, why am I hiding the fact that I designed? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's going to interrupt what I'm doing musically. And I think it is a extension. It's another arm on the olive, on the tree um, of what I do creatively. So, so we're talking uh, graphics, illustration, yeah. that's that type of time, right? Yeah, yeah. Illustration, graphics, uh, visual direction, like the whole nine, man. Oh, what's up? Man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I'm going completely random. And I'm about to throw throw a curveball, kind of. So, Go for it. Well, you might know it's coming, but well, tell us, tell tell the folks a little bit about what Saturday mashup was. <laughs> so Saturday mashup was something like this, man. Um, uh, minus a few elements, it was it was uh, four homies um, convening at uh, on Georgia Ave at, a, at a, Vision. you know at Listen Vision um, to put together really really dope moments. Um, we had amazing talent, amazing creatives and business owners and entrepreneurs, um, black creatives come through every Saturday and just sit and talk with us. Um, we had my brother Lachlan on the ones and twos, man, playing some of some really, really dope music, both locally and nationally, and just he was you know, killing that. going crazy. Um, and then you, myself, and Reef, man, just really giving this dope dynamic. It was a three-man weave, for real, for real, just um, bouncing this energy back and forth, man, and, and kind of documenting what was going on not only in our lives but in the world and in the DMV um in DC specific so um I don't know man it was it was a moment man bro it was it was dope to just be in the city every weekend um you know kind of documenting what's going on and then going out into the streets and having something to talk about a week later right I mean for me using using your your song titles as a funny metaphor I would say that that would be my genesis mm-hmm Cause that was like a lot of the time that you and a few other folks were pouring into me and telling me like, yo, you can be the, the guy that people reach out to. So like I kind of made it my business to, you know, every week present somebody different. You know, we had the honey bun cake dude. We mm-hmm. had uh, Lamine on at one point. We had uh, the comic book dude. Like there were so many different people that were all DMV oriented in some way, shape or form. But every week it was just something different. And then, you know, to go out into the world like we... You know, people would have so much fun with us that it's like, yo, what y'all doing after? And then exactly. we'd, we'd all just hang. You know, it could be anybody. Um, Thomas, I think, like, that was a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm glad you said that was your genesis, right? Because, like, that was the thing where I got to see you shine, you know, at your finest. Because you're a people person. People love you because you're a good person, right? You have a, a, a untainted soul. Like, you're one of the few good people left, right, in the world. <laughs> and so... It was dope because you always managed to bring people together um, that, you know, just had substance and, and can make for interesting conversation. And then it, but it, it, nothing was ever forced. That shit was right, always right, right. organic. It was always um, just a, a testament to how good of a person you are and how good you are at building and keeping relationships. Right. Big um, up, smile. Yeah. yeah, man. So I'm actually paused right now because uh, we have to take a break for a little moment. But yes, we'll be right back. There we go. There we go. We, we here with it. Almost forgot the levels. Man's a little new at the engineering. Hey, hey man, you've been <laughs> on it though, man. You've been on it though. You hold down everything right now. Exactly. Exactly. I'm man. the interviewer, the engineer. Give you, know. you, got, you got some applause over there, man. Give yourself some yeah, applause. Yeah, button now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's Respect. heat. Um, but no, off air, we was just talking about you know this journey that we on, right? Um, and I was just saying that. A lot of times we think outside looking in, we look at other people's situation and scenario and we say we, we kind of have a benchmark for what success is. Right. Especially like if you want to be a photographer, you look at the photographers that have 
stepped ahead of you and have done things ahead of you. The designers, the artists, the creatives, the whatever. Anything that you want to step into, you look at the person in the field that has 10, 20, 30, 40 years on you, right? And has done has been successful at it. Yeah, where's the bar? But success is the path. It's the journey, right? It's the process of you setting a goal and achieving that goal time and time again. Right. Because when are we successful, right? Like, how long have you been doing this? If you've been doing it a year, you were professional. If you've been doing it five years, you were professional. If you've been doing it 10 years, you were professional. So you didn't just, you know, you, you're not yet trying to become a professional. You're acting it. You, you, you're experienced. You can speak from experience to someone else who wants to get into that field. So we got to remember that and step outside of ourselves and value that, right? And so, you know, it's not to, to, to get the big head or be like, yeah, I'm this, I'm that. No, it's to say, listen, I, I do this with a confidence and with the truth and the honesty that I believe in. And I know that I'm capable, you know what I mean? Because I'm actually doing it. And I appreciate that I've gotten to this point in my journey. And it might be ups and it might be downs, but I'm always going to be an artist. I'm always going to be a creative. Most definitely. There's wisdom definitely. talking right now, man. Definitely is. So we, we were talking about Bill for more. When is when, when is Bill for more two dropping? Uh, well, we weren't talking about Bill for more. I kind of slid it in there, but oh. Bill for more was the you know that was the thing that was the most authentic me um, prior to Seconds Away. That was the project that set the tone for everything, man. Where did you make that one at? At home. So Detroit. So it was uh, here. 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 Yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, I was in the DMV when I made nice. it, but. I was back and forth between here and in, in Detroit. Like I've always, for like the past fifteen years, like I'll be here and then I will go to Detroit and be in Detroit for like two years and then come uh-huh. back and then like I went to LA for a year and a half. Then I came back and I went to Atlanta. So like I kind of been all over the place during the, the the course of this time and doing music. But Built for More came as it was kind of like Third Eye Wide. I was working on a completely different project called Tears and Triumphs. It was supposed to be my debut album. Um, and I recorded so much music. Like at the at that time, I was working with this dude named Technology from out of Rhode Island. And this is when like MacBooks had iChat, I think it was called. And like you could literally like um, send each other music through the um, through the chat. But you could also it was it was damn near like Skype before Skype. Mm-hmm. And you could do like um, I could control your uh, your computer through iChat and all this stuff. So we used to literally like have sessions with each other through iChat on our Macs. And he'd send me. Like forty beats, I might not like, but two, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but like after a while, we kind of got a rhythm, and he understood what I was looking for, and we would just record. And I was at that time, I was recording like ten to twenty songs a week, no, no, no cap, you know what I'm saying? Like just really working. Um, and so I think what happened was I was going to go to uh, to the A to like finish working on Tears and Triumphs, and it was like a, a energy drink company at the time called Fever. That was like, yo, we we love what you're doing musically. We want to give you some money to like do something with you because I, I was about to do a A3C festival in Atlanta. That's what it was. So they gave us like two bands um, and sent some models to us and like uh, paid for T-shirts and all of this other stuff. And it was like we was like, all right, well we're gonna be down there. They're giving us this money. Let's put out a project. I got a bunch of songs I don't need to put out. You know, I don't, I don't have anything to do with. And at the time, I was already dropping like a song every week for the blogs. So I ended up putting together 12 songs um, telling kind of like where I was at the time. And it was built for more. Um, that Piff, at the, like, like I think it was like the the space between that Piff where like they was on fire because they was like they had hosted uh, 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 Man on the Moon for Cuddy or whatever Cuddy's first tape was. Then they had like um, um, dedication and all of the like Wayne shit, right? They gave me the front page of that Piff, had the banner, had everything. We ended up doing like a hundred thousand impressions. That used to and be downloads. golden real estate. Man, was it? Like, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Like, and that was like my big introduction. Um, DJ Ill Will, who manages uh Kid Ink and like, you know, Ill Will mixtapes and all of that shit. He reviewed the shit in double XL. Like I was on MTV because of it. Like it was the thing that like made me feel like shit was seconds away, which is what led to seconds away the album. There it is. You know what I mean? Um but that was the, you know, that was my rap roots. Like that was before I was like had more of a balance between the singing and the rapping. I was just really rapping. Mm. So I wanted to get back to that. And uh Bill for More Two is ten years later. It's where I am as a man, where I am as an artist, and it's a full circle moment. Most definitely, most yeah. definitely. So slight pivot, we haven't discussed this yet, but like I suppose all three of us, all four of us in the room have our own takes on it, but 
Style and fashion, streetwear. Let, let, let's get into that bag a little bit. And I know, I know uh, you personally. You, you you've always you've kind of had a few uh, good brands that we know that have backed you in different ways or, or supported you. And then you know we're all three creatives and have had our uh, um, have our, had our try at it. So talk about that a little bit. And Tom, you can come in on this one too. For sure. Um, I mean, I, I definitely like to hear from my brother Rogat about that, man. Like, I, 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 I've been, I've got an opportunity to look at some of his new work, his new collection, and it's that's insane, bro. And I know that, um, I just, just you know, us talking, I, I see where his mind, how his mind works, right. and kind of the same place for me, man. I'm, I don't, I don't ever want to call myself something I haven't put in the man hours for. I think right. fashion is something I love and I've designed, and you know, what I'm saying, but I, I don't call myself a designer in that aspect, anyways. But yeah, bro. Like, you know, streetwear has always been big for me. The culture has always been big for me. And, you know, back in the day, it was like, uh, you know, early, like Rocksmith and Tin Deep and all of those society. guys. Like, society. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. those is I, those are my people. Like, I started with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and but now, and, and really not even just now, but the past maybe five, six years, like, I'm... I don't spend any money with anybody that's not black. You know what I'm saying? If you're not black or brown, I don't spend money with you. And everything that I wear is from black and brown designers. Um, you know, shout out to Icon Nation. I got on their jacket right now. It's hard. Um, I wish, you know wish y'all could see it. Man. We'll they take will, pictures They, will, they will see it. They will see it. It'll be, it'll be in a video. You know what I mean? I just wore it today. Just, I got it today. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, um, but no, nah, I guess we was talking about this uh, off air. Um, fashion is... Uh, ever changing right but style has to do with your individual uniqueness like it's just an extension of you just like the songs you love to listen to or like um your favorite food or whatever like it's it's to me it's about um expanding what makes you you like mm -hmm. it's the brightest one of the brightest lights you can shine on exactly how you process things in your head it's like a beautiful song it's like the same as me writing a song, a, a designer putting together, or not even a designer, just somebody that knows themselves and, and got style. I can I can walk into a room and see you and you light up the room. Right. You know what I mean? We used to talk about this about like Reef. Like Reef has a uniqueness to him, bro, that like makes him shine bright, you know, in the room. Um, and, and it's his style. It's, it's, it's uh, in, indicative of his thought process and his patterns and what he believes in. And so that's what I think, excuse me, I think style is. Um versus talking about fashion right so it's, it's interesting you mentioned that so that uh style is like an extension of self like a few years back when i used to make my yearly trips to capsule that's one of the like golden nuggets that i caught from one of the designers like a lot of our favorite designers are a lot of designers that we really pay attention to they're not really designing for the the active community in a sense they're really designing for themselves and so putting their stamp on their style facts. and putting it out into the world so oh. like for example, someone could <clears throat> design like a gray and blue nautical sweater, like the joint with the lines or whatever, mm -hmm. but put a red one, a red stripe at the bottom, and that's that's just how he thinks. That's just how one of the, how he wants to put his imprint on the world. So, yeah, it's very interesting that you mention that. You know, just to piggyback on everything he just said, like style for me is just like if human beings are the book. I mean. And the journey is the book, then the cover is your style. You know what I mean? Okay, like okay, should, a bar should, right there. I should be seeing how you living as soon as I see you. Um, and I mean, that's how I push it. And we're in a day and age where we're so connected that we can express everything that we're feeling. We could, we could just open our phones and buy however we feeling. Facts. Any yeah. shirt, like, and I, I hear what you're saying on the terms of like, I don't, I don't buy from anyone that's not like you know same complexion. Mm -hmm. But I'm more so going off of um, I just want to go and buy and support people who are authentic, authentic. Yeah. authentic and genuine for what they're doing instead of like you see a lot of fast fashion out here, a lot of money grabs. Um, I peep your fit, and I've seen this so many times, and it's like, yo, it's a story now. It's a story now that that's the Detroit story. Right. When I see that jacket, and it's like it travels all shit. We not in the Midwest. <laughs> and I already knew what it was. I didn't even ask you about it because I already knew what it was. Right. So it's like that's the beautiful thing about being disconnected and style today is like you know, you could really express yourself and show people who you are without even opening your mouth. Yeah. Most definitely, most definitely. So getting back to the not the rat rates, because we're not running anybody's race with our own, but <clears throat> I would say um 
how would you say the climate slash the landscape has changed in your absence or your we we call it a hiatus, but we're always creating. But well, so all right, it's crazy because the dynamic has changed. I remember, I talked about like coming in the the whole blog era, right. and during that time, it was like you know you could these bloggers were writing these articles about who they thought was the dope act, who they thought were the dope artists, and everyone was uh, flocking to these blogs or whatever, and that's where they kind of went to, right? And then you know the the industry hadn't caught up to that because it kind of went hand in hand with what was going on in the streets and in street culture or streetwear culture and in fashion because it was subculture. It wasn't about what was mainstream. It was like what was new, what was cutting edge. And then like the blogs kind of ended up dying out and then, you know, SoundCloud came up and it was like, all right, well, we got to take the middleman out altogether. Right. And that was kind of my era with, that was like my second era with like Play It Cool and Soul Food and like Peace and all of those stuff. Cause it was like, it, it, yeah, it worked out so perfect. Cause it was like, I wasn't even thinking of it consciously. I just was like, bro, I'm tired of sending out press releases and like doing rapper <laughs> shit. Like, I just want to fuck with my fans. Like, I want to send out music to the people who care about it. And I remember even like, I had a, a email listing of like maybe 200 people that I would just send the, the music to ahead of time. Like, that was like, fans not like industry people not writers or nothing like that but just homies some some of the people was like music people but they were people I became friends with like Through Z from music. DJ Booth yeah like Z from DJ Booth is my real friend right. you know what I'm saying like um, but for the most part it was people that like was just fans of the music and so I don't know now it's become this thing about like uh, playlists and like you know this gate the gatekeepers is like Spotify and like the people who right, you know are right, into right. the playlist and the Apple Music and all of that stuff. So it puts me in a weird space. Like I'm, uh, I don't, I don't quite understand it, and I don't, I'm, I'm hard headed as fuck. Like I don't, I'm not about to like how us Africans can be. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not. You're not gonna get me. Like I'm not paying for nothing. Like you know what I mean. Like all, and what I mean by that is like I'm not gonna pay some playlister to put my music up. You either rock with it or you don't. Yeah. And it's always about organics with me. Like the people are going to make something be what it needs to be. That's what makes it authentic. If I'm trying to pay my way to the top, it's not authentic because the people don't care about it. Right. But if the people are bringing it to you, you can't avoid it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's kind of where my headspace is, and that's what it still is. Like, I'm one of them people, right? Like, music is so uh, um, insanely consumed at such a fast rate right now with the TikToks and all of this other stuff. Like, think about it. How many songs have you heard via TikTok that you've never heard the whole song to? You've only heard, like, the hook the clip part that people dance to. Right. But I'm still at that era of like albums. Like that's why I love like Coles and Kendricks and like create a moment. Mm -hmm. I want you to take some time to slow down and listen to my whole body of work. Even if I'm only giving you three songs, this is going to be a journey. You know what I'm saying? It's like, sit with you. Yeah, it's gonna sit with you. You gotta live with this. I put a lot into this. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot for you to consume um and digest, um, as opposed to me giving you this viral moment and it's it's fleeting, like that shit disappears. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, the, the game is very fast paced, but I think for the guys that create moments, you know, you still can, um, it's still your time. Most definitely. So, um, be that as it may, that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because for me, um, one of the things that I tell all my creative homies is like, create your own narrative. And for me, this podcast was, uh, an, a way or an outlet for us to create our own narrative, and it's put out and spoken to by by us, our, by us that are creating it. So, you know, I, this 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 was definitely important. Um, so, I would be remiss if I didn't ask. I have to make sure that we put this in the podcast. But who and what is Vibe House? Um, Vibe House, man. Uh, the it's a tribe, and it's a. House of love, house of vibe, man. This energy, it's a, it's a vessel, it's a being, and on its own, and then it's also a creative agency. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, after all of those beautiful words, it's a creative agency. It's a, um, a unit of people, man, that I call family, and it encompasses like the people who support that aren't necessarily creatives within the fold, like just anybody that just enjoys a higher quality of life. Like you just wanna, you wanna, you, you exist to experience dope things and create dope things and put dope things into the world. And that's right. what Vibe House is and what it's been um, since 2012 and then, you know, officiated in 2014. But, um, you know, uh, more more immediately within the click is uh, 
my brother Irock says, um, my brother that I'm on this podcast with right now, Tom the Great, you know. Yes, sir. Um, a bunch of the Bernardo, uh, Nardo, super, super talented producer, what? MC, um, Sir Woodrin, which is th- anything that you've heard from me in the past uh, five years, Woods touched it. Like everything. Super goes, engineer. Goes, man, super engineer, super producer. Um, all around, all around beautiful human being, man. Just a great person. Um, uh, Will Grinding, uh, Rich Hustle, Rich Hustle. I'm in debt to you, brother. Um, you will be listening, hopefully. Um, thank you, bro. Like animation, God. Yeah, man. And just a again another. That's the beautiful thing, bro. And we were just talking about that. Like, there's a thing about synergy. Synergy is always a thing with me because you attract like energies, right? Like Most the energy definitely. you put out. So you know, a lot of times people will be like. There, there, this, there's this idea, this negative connotation around being self-centered, mm-hmm. right? But what is being self-centered? It's a, it's a centered self. And so in order to attract what you need, you have to have a balanced self. you got to figure out what's going on within you first, right? So, like, that's what that is. It's like, I know that if I want to get the, if I, if, if I need this ecosystem of people around me, I have to be for them what they are to me, right? So, like, I'm always doing my best to, to check myself and figure out how do I become a better friend? How do I become a better partner? How do I become a better leader in order to um, to show the example that I'm looking to receive? And I think that's that's happened because all of the people I have around me are fucking amazing. You know what I'm and saying? Everybody like, around us is solid. Yeah. So, you know, um, shout out there. Shout out to Truth, man. Truth is my lawyer now. That's the nigga I started this shit with, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it all comes full circle, yeah, right? bro. Like, all of these pieces are coming together, man. All of these amazing Even people. me. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, all of it is, again, there's nothing, I don't, anything worth having, you don't have to to do the most to get to, bro. Like, it's, right, right, it's all supposed to happen. Like, if I went out trying and forcing some shit, bro, it'd just be contrived. It'd look crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I, I, it'll look wild, but I think everything, everything is happening um, in its own time, bro. And like, um, you know, I feel like we still are kids in the grand scheme of all of this, bro. Like, I, I think Ye said something um, when he talked about. He was just like, "Yo, I'm, I'm." At the time, he was like 36. I think he was on a show. He was like, "Man, I'm 36. Like, I'm just starting. I'm just figuring it out, right? Like, and that's how I feel about it now. Is like, yo, if you and yo, if you a teenager and you know what you want to do. Yo, you are light years ahead of us right now because I remember where I was when we started. So don't ever feel like you're old because yo, my granddad just passed away at 99. Right. 99. 2015 when I went home to see him, he was still climbing roofs at 94, 95 years old. He was still climbing the roof, still intact, everything. So there's no way I could feel old at 31 years old, bro. Like when I'm I'm just starting, my journey's just begun and I could go so many different places. I'm never gonna allow myself to feel like I'm washed or I'm this or I'm that. Like, especially because I'm this is this is my life. I'm not doing it to to be impressive to anyone. I'm doing this to just express myself and to get off what I need to and impact as many people as possible. Whatever I'm learning, I'm trying to share. And whatever yeah. you're teaching, I'm trying to learn. That's just it. Yes, sir. Great mindset. They're gonna have to rewind this one, bro. Yeah, they definitely gonna have to rewind this one. Real talk. I appreciate y'all. So yeah, man, that that that's that that's it. That's that's everything. Um, we have a few things that we normally do. There's a slight deviation from the original format, but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna bring into it some of the things that we normally do. So uh, one of the things that we do is called tools of the trade. It could be tangible or intangible. It's just something that helps you get through your days, as, or it could even be like music or anything like that. So I'm gonna start it off. Um, I'm going to say that uh, my tribe has helped me, has what has helped me. Um, I feel like for some time now, I've, I've um, been kind of moving, moving the pieces around me, moving the pieces around me, the people and pieces around me, right? So I feel like I'm coming into a very, a very solid place for where I'm trying to go and what I've been trying to do. Like a lot of beautiful things are coming to me organically, whether that's the new job or the anything anything I've been after. So I would say my tribe has been very supportive and I'm thankful for that. My girlfriend, my homies at this table, my my my, my nephew across the, across the table. So 
Yeah, man. I, I, what about you guys? So you're saying tools of the trade? Yes, sir. Can be a notebook, um, you know, music, anything. Does it have to be tangible? No, it can be intangible. All right, but so it's a feeling, right? Mm, can be. <laughs> no, I'm letting you know it's a feeling. Oh, okay, got you. Got it's you. that feeling of uh, stress and anxiety that has helped me like really break down barriers within my uh, journey, man. Um, just a little background on me. I'm a designer. I've bled for it. I've done every part of it. Um, but now, as of this year, just like expanding into entrepreneurism, which is a scary place, just dabbling in uh, the energy industry and just uh, also trying to facilitate ways to help other designers make money, which is also just a scary place. But I'm walking into it because I feel that anxiety. I know it's something, it's a way of progress when I had that feeling. So I guess that feeling will be my tools of the trade. Most definitely. That's a good motivator. Or it can be, definitely. Mm. And what about you, Scott? Uh, my most powerful tool is gratitude. Most definitely. Because gratitude puts me in alignment with where I am and where I need to be. And put, puts me in a space to be able to appreciate all things around me. Because a lot of times, we only thank the most high when things are going right. Mm. But when everything is, is to shit, you know, um, that's when we want to run and we need prayer and we need all of these things, right? But like, I, gratitude allows me to look at all situations as an opportunity to grow and an opportunity to appreciate what that moment is. Sometimes you just got to sit still. Your plan ain't the plan. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I just got to be like, you know what? I just need to be right here. And I'll be cool. And then oh, a day later or two days later, two weeks later, a, a month later, a year later, then I might realign. But if I'm too busy thinking about how my plan's not going right, I miss sight of the life that I'm living and the, the ultimate vision for where I, why I'm here. Beauty in now. Yeah, so you know, I, I'm man, gratitude, bro. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this moment. I'm thankful for all three of y'all. I'm thankful to be breathing because some I people love. Was granted that. Yeah. Yeah, man. yeah. But yeah, man. That that that's it for the show. Peace, peace, peace. <laughs>